just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here is what Salt Lake's talking about. The Sundance Film Festival is in town and facing some existential threats. Meanwhile, Gail Miller is working hard to get more baseball in this city, and we have a few shout-outs to give. Executive producer Emily Means is here. It is Wednesday, January 24th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Executive producer Emily Means, I kind of have breaking news for you from the Sundance Film Festival. Really? Yeah. All right, hit me. So I was up in Park City this weekend, and I'm sitting in this, like, lounge, and... Honestly, I don't know how I got into this lounge, but I'm like sitting in this lounge and it's kind of fancy. And this guy comes over and is like, ma'am, would you like a cinnamon roll? And did you? (laughs) And I was like, would I ever? What? And so then I started chatting with him. He's like, this is the best cinnamon roll you're ever going to have in your life. You have to give me feedback, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, sir, I need to tell you. My coworker predicted <laughs> that this year we would finally be rid of cookie wars and cookie pandemonium, and it would be replaced with an adoration of cinnamon rolls in Utah. And he was like, well, we have three locations. We're in Riverton. We're in... I was like... What? So he was a local guy that Sundance had brought in to deliver, to like serve... Oh my God. Gorgeous cinnamon rolls to like talent. Wow. I thought he was like a Hollywood producer who was trying to sweeten you up with a cinnamon roll. No, he was the most Utah dad ever. And all the like LA and New York people didn't even know what to do with him because they were just like, he's so nice and like loves cinnamon rolls. What's happening? Anyway, I was so excited to tell you because of course, your prediction is on its way to coming true. It's the year of the cinnamon roll, henceforth, Mm -hmm. every year here on out. I watched a lot of influencers (laughs) eat a cinnamon roll and film themselves. Oh. All right, all right, baby. 2024 is really shaping up for us. <laughs> Honestly. Anyway, the point of that story is let's talk about Sundance. Let's talk about Sundance. You spent quite a bit of time up in Park City this past weekend, right? I did. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear your dispatch from the festival. Yeah, I think I saw like seven or eight movies this weekend between Friday <laughs> and good. Sunday. Pretty good, pretty good. I saw some weird stuff, though. I saw this movie called Sasquatch Sunset that I think you might appreciate. It's Riley Keough, who's Elvis's granddaughter, and Jesse Eisenberg in full Sasquatch suits. And it's basically <laughs> filmed like a – I mean, it's it's beautifully filmed. And it's filmed like a documentary slash narrative sort of feature about a, fa- a Sasquatch – a family of Sasquatches living in Northern California. And there's like, it's kind of disgusting. Like they like suck the guts out of fish and like there's a Sasquatch birth in the movie. Um, But there's not a word spoken in this 90 minute film. It's all grunting. (laughs) 
Oh my god. Okay, but so why do you think I would like it? Is it because you think I'm a squatch head? <laughs> no, I think it's because you would appreciate the creativity. And like, it's okay. also this funny thing happened where like, I got out of the screening and was texting with someone and was like, yeah, I just saw the Sasquatch movie. And they wrote me back and were like, oh, is that the Nat Geo one? Because <laughs> like, it's so beautifully filmed that people were kind of describing it as like, almost being like watching a Nat Geo oh. movie. And I was like, wouldn't it be the funniest thing to ever happen in the year 2024 if National Geographic acquired and distributed this Sasquatch documentary? <laughs> National Geographic, if you're listening, we got a million dollar idea for you yeah, right They here. just laid off like all their writers. They're like, uh, we won't be buying anything, but thanks for calling. Um, but yeah, <laughs> anyway, amazing. I love it. Totally weird. And then my favorite movie I've seen so far is called Gaucho Gaucho. You actually would have really enjoyed this. It's from the guys who made The Truffle Hunters, which was at Sundance two years ago and was kind of a breakout, but it's about a community of gauchos in Argentina. The whole thing is filmed in like monochromatic black and white. It's stunning. It's horse content. Like it's just an hour and a half of like horse content. Makes sense why you love it. Yeah. Known horse girl, Ali Vallarta. It's about a gaucha and like it's a very male dominated industry and she's like riding these bucking broncs and... It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Anyway, hopefully that gets distributed because that was really fun to watch. But I don't know. I mean, like, there hasn't really been, like, a breakout movie hmm. this year. Okay. And that usually happens, right? There's usually, like... A darling. A darling. A darling. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, Allie, I'm not really a festival goer. Yeah. Um, I'm usually the person who's, like, watching the film when it gets released to streaming or whatever. Yeah. You're not even much of a movie theater goer, let alone, like, <laughs> you have really? to be two steps ahead of being a movie theater goer to, like, get in line and, like, dive into the festival experience. Right. It's and very so demanding. I'm guessing everyone up there with you is exactly like you, and that's the kind of person <laughs> who loves films, like, for the craft and for the artistry, and mm -hmm. I think, like, for the industry of it all. And, right. Um, and that's just not me. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I would compare being at Sundance kind of, like, to going to Disney. Like, you're in mm. this long line, and you're like, there's so many logistical frustrations. And then you get out of the theater, and you're like, let's do it again! Like, that was awesome! Yeah. And I'm <laughs> like, like, can I fast pass this? Or I'm gonna sit yeah. on a bench and eat nachos. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can fast pass it, but you can't. It's not $55. It's a lifetime of legacy career success in order to be able to do it. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's not cheap. It's not necessarily incredibly accessible. I think the festival does try and get Utah's buy-in. They do like the free screenings for locals and like, yeah. you know, they, they try, but it's hard because they have a bottom line. They need to sell these tickets for $30 a pop. And I, I mean, what would it take, Emily, for you to like to do it? OK, well, there are a lot of barriers for me. One, I hate driving up Harley's Canyon. And yeah. I, again, I recognize that I could watch some of these films in Salt Lake City, which we highly recommend Salt Lakers do. I've done that before, too, seen some stuff at the Broadway and even at the Salt Lake Community College yeah. campus on State Street. This and year they're at the Megaplex, experience. like yeah. even recline. Oh, man. Okay, so <laughs> that might get me, <laughs> get me in a seat, Allie. <laughs> but like, 
I don't know. It just seems like such a heavy lift to me. So much planning goes into it. And I think that is probably my biggest hurdle is I am not a very good uh, planner when it comes to events and like, here's how I'm Mm. going to spend my day. And I need to be on this bus to get to this screening in time to wait in line or whatever. And... You know, that's just not who I am. So, but I I can appreciate it from afar. And I am enjoying, you know, like all of the Instagram reels that I'm seeing with celebrities. And and I'm enjoying, you know, whenever you report to me a celebrity sighting, that's really exciting to me too. God, I only personally had one celeb sighting this weekend. Uh, Well, to be clear, a celeb sighting to me does not mean you went to a premiere, a film premiere where you knew the celeb would be on stage doing a mm. Q&A after. A celeb That's sighting has to be a random encounter. Yeah. In order to like, you know, to get like, because yeah. I always spotting. think about it when I'm at Sundance and like I have a sighting or a spotting in my mind, I hear the like Super Mario Brothers like, like it's like, like I got a little coin like pops up over their head and I'm like, boom. Um, I only had one and it is pretty. Oh, no, I had two. Oh, shoot. I had two. Okay. I saw Judith Light, which actually was more exciting to me than the other person I saw who's more famous because I just think she's. I grew up watching Who's the Boss. Like, I just think she's so so legendary. I I mean, I know her as the very best judge on Law and Order Special Victims. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. She was like head to toe in teal. She looked stunning. She always looks stunning. She was kind of being ushered around. She just she looks so nice. Like, you just want to kind of hug her. But you shouldn't randomly hug celebs to be clear. That's kind of assault. Um, But I also was sitting in this lounge and like they were getting ready for a girly. The funniest thing about celebrities and like Sunday is the commotion around them. Uh-huh. You know the Charlie Brown character, what's his name, Pigpen, and he always yeah. has like the, du- the, the dirt and the <laughs> dust around him? That's like the the, the publicists <laughs> and the makeup artists and the like glam squad around celebrities, just like buzzing. And so there was like that kind of commotion happening and this girly walks in and sits down. She's stunning, but like who is she? I have no idea. So this woman sitting next to me turns to me and goes, do you know who that is? And I was like, honestly, I don't. And she goes, me either. And I should, because I'm a talent agent. Oh and my so God. <laughs> later, I saw that woman in the hallway leaving this place. And I was like, did you figure out who the girly was? And she goes, oh, I did. It's Camila Cabello. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm like, she is the of, perfect. Of Havana fame? <laughs> yeah, she is like perfectly just famous enough to have that much attention, but also like so random that I don't recognize her face. And that is so funny. <laughs> and which, not to be rude to her, like she is beautiful and like talented, but like she kind of looks like every pop girly. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sorry, Camilla, if you're listening, but we'd yeah. love to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> my my best Sundance celeb sighting, if I can share this with oh you, Oh my God, Allie. please. Um, back in the day, I used to intern for the Salt Lake Tribune, and mm-hmm. they would just kind of put me on random projects. And one, one year I covered Sundance, and so I went up there to Park City, and I am there to interview like this really cute boy band from Australia. I don't even remember their name. They they were not the celeb sighting. Standing next to me in the hotel lobby Uh is Danny DeVito. That is such a good, and that's, I I mean, that's so many coins. It's so many coins because you know it's him immediately. He's got a very unique look. He's ultra famous. And it was a random appearance. That's the triple crown. 
And so that's why I don't need to go to Sundance anymore because I've already I've already peaked. Yeah, you saw Danny DeVito. It's funny that we bring up like the celeb of it all and the reason for that is because I've been thinking about, I spent like the whole time I was at Sundance, I spent more energy thinking about existential threats to this festival than I did like movies I was seeing. And I think that's in part because, you know, I used to work at Sundance. It's the reason I live in Utah. There's a lot of my life that I like owe the festival and the festival circuit. I started working in film festivals when I was 13 years old, oh volunteering to rip tickets in the local theater in my hometown. So this is like... I'm bought in. I am fully bought in, right? Yeah. But I don't know that everyone is. And there are basically two facets to this like festival and getting it funded and getting it run. And one is the independent film ecosystem that it is. Like for producers and directors and writers of independent films, getting into a festival to get press and whatever else and then get a distribution deal for your movie is still one of the only pathways to success. It is this ecosystem is still, though it's changed, though it doesn't get the attention that it may be used to and it might not feel as exaggerated as it used to, is still critical to this industry, which has already been kneecapped by so many things, right? And it's funny to talk about like the movie industry being in trouble because it feels like this year, I mean, we got Oscar nominations yesterday. We had an incredible year for movies. Like everything in the theater I saw was fantastic. Like the movies are bad. Barbenheimer. TV yeah. is out. Like, but at the same time, like there is a, this industry is in crisis. So there's that, like there's the, there's the necessary. But then on the other hand, like in order to support that ecosystem and afford to put on a festival, which is massive undertaking, in, hello, Park City, one of the most expensive places in the sure. world, you need a lot of public buy-in. And, like, they need Emily Means in Salt Lake City to be so excited to see Danny DeVito that she buys a $30 ticket to his premiere, either takes the bus or drives up to Park City, finds parking, gets there an hour, even if you see it in Salt Lake. We're used to rolling into movies in the middle of the credits with a bag of popcorn. You know, you got to be in line for a Sundance film an hour before it starts. That alone dissuades people from participating. And I think, like, though a celeb sighting is fun, I don't know that it's worth it anymore because celebrities are more accessible than ever. Like, those people are, I can't free myself of them. Every time I open Instagram, I'm watching someone famous like cook breakfast. Why would I pay thirty dollars like them? Like to you, maybe see them cross the street. You love celebrity. Right. You know? Right. Hmm. I, I mean okay. I love them in a way that like I'm so entertained by the the culture of them. Exactly. This is such a silly question, but like is flashy like glam, like ritzy, like all these adjectives we've used to describe Sundance for years and years in this city. Is that stuff cool anymore? These are really interesting points, Allie. And I kind of want to set aside, you know, the general existential crisis of hmm. film festivals and just talk about having this particular event in Park City, right? Yeah. It's a logistical nightmare. It mm -hmm. is a huge undertaking in this tiny resort town where the residential population is approximately 8,000 and the Sundance visitors, you know, 80,000 plus. Yeah. So that's huge. Traffic is terrible. Um, you know, public safety is a huge factor with this type of event. 
So all of those things, I think, cause frustration to locals and have for years, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, this festival is a huge economic boon to local businesses. Mm -hmm. And Park City is a tourism town. And it's also a ski resort town in an age when we're seeing less and less snow, right? And so if Sundance leaves Park City, which maybe it will someday soon. That is the talk of the town. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Sundance leaves Park City, then where does that leave Park City, you know? And what's, what makes up the backbone of their economy? I saw a story in, what was it? I think it was like an ABC4 story about how a local restaurant owner makes tens of thousands of dollars just in like the first week. Oh, God. Of Sundance, right? People so pay their annual mortgage by yeah, renting out a condo yeah. for a week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, out-of-state visitors to the festival spent $97 million last year in Utah. So it's huge. That's crazy. And there was basically no one at Sundance. Like, last year was a quiet Sundance. I would say it's got to be more this year. Right, right. So I don't know. I'm sure, like, all of these things are jumbling around in the minds of Park City municipal leaders as well as, you know, Sundance officials as they look to the future of this festival. And I don't know where we land. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because you and I, like, if you look at all that data from the sort of outset, it's a no-brainer. Like, put up with a two weeks, you know, 10 days of this chaos in your city and be able to fund things like private-public housing partnerships. Like, Park City is building some of the most exciting, like, publicly funded housing projects in the state right now. Like, no doubt there's a relationship between what a wealthy municipality it is and their ability to do things like that. Um, The Sundance Institute is currently negotiating its contract renewal with Park City. That's happening right now. And there are a lot of Park City residents who would not be mad about Sundance leaving. They don't like how much public buy-in and public funding, et cetera, et cetera, is asked of the city in order to put on this festival. Um, In the summer, Deadline reported that organizers of the Sundance Film Festival were fielding RFPs from other cities to move the festival. They um, got an RFP from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico, a state that would offer them a lot of incentives. I mean, this festival needs money. Like financially, it's not thriving. And also Bentonville, Arkansas, which (laughs) you might kind of like (laughs) shake your head at why would they go to Bentonville, Arkansas? Well, fun fact, the film festival in Bentonville is Gina Davis's festival. And it is well and heavily supported by the Walton Family Foundation oh. because the that is the origin of the Walmart family. So Sundance reps have been asked about this all year and they're saying, listen, no, the festival's not leaving Park City. It feels very, uh, very similar to will the jazz leave downtown Salt Lake? Like, are they <laughs> leveraging the will they or won't they question to negotiate a better contract? Or is it really a will they or won't they question that has urgency. What we do know is that the Sundance Labs, which is basically their year-round programming where they kind of, they have different labs for different filmmakers. And in the summer, they come here and like work on scripts and stuff in Utah. And then those films often get into the festival. The labs are moving. They are leaving Utah. They are going to Colorado, just like this kind of town north of Boulder. They normally are at the Sundance Resort. So a piece of the festival has already left the state. A piece of the Institute has already left the state. 
if Sundance is going to leave Park City, it's not going to be next year. It's going to be in 10 years. Like, that's a massive, massive move and a massive undertaking. But I, I will say, like, this festival needs a rebirth. And pulling off a rebirth is a hard thing to do. Because you have to kill something first. And then you have to have enough buy-in for people to be interested in resuscitating it. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Okay, Emily, movies are my thing, but you're more of a sports gal. How do you feel about Salt Lake getting more baseball? What a roller coaster in, of baseball these past two years. So the Oakland A's, a mm -hmm. Major League Baseball team, visited Salt Lake City last week because they are thinking of making the Smiths Ballpark their temporary home before their new Las Vegas stadium is ready in 2028. What a whirlwind okay. of baseball activities. Quick question, which Smiths Ballpark? Because okay. there's the one in Salt Lake City that currently is, well, in its last year of operation. And then there's the one that's being built in Daybreak to move mm -hmm. the Salt Lake Bees to next year. Great question, Allie. Which... Either of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Either of them. Okay. So they've toured the Smiths Ballpark, which is the one in the ballpark neighborhood in Salt Lake City. But as you noted, uh, the Miller family is moving the Salt Lake Bees, who currently play at the ballpark, to a new stadium in Daybreak 
in 2025. And so we're also seeing the Millers are like, hey, A's, why don't you actually come play at our new stadium in daybreak? And we'll just send the bees back to the Smith's ballpark. So whiplash, my friend, whiplash, because it was just what last year that we learned and we're surprised to learn that the bees would be leaving Salt Lake City. So that happened this past week, although the A's also have other options in other states. But this is all kind of playing into the hands of the Miller family, who has been looking to bring Major League Baseball to Salt Lake City at yet another stadium (laughs) that's being built. So, like, we're juggling all these baseballs, I guess. (laughs) This is like that Natalie Portman movie Closer, but everyone in it is a baseball team. You know, I'm going to have to trust you on that one, my friend. Um, (laughs) It's a film about affairs. Okay, got it. Yes, it's exactly like that. Um, So, yeah, this is just a wild ride. And it seems like maybe potentially we could get a Major League Baseball team here in Salt Lake sooner rather than later. Yeah. um, Yeah. If the A's move into town. Okay, so I have to tell you, I... We have colleagues, of course, at CityCast Las Vegas, which if, by the way, you're listening and you have ties in Las Vegas or family or friends there, tell them to listen to CityCast Las Vegas. They have an incredible team and they make an incredible daily show. And I reached out to them because they're, of course, they're building the stadium that the Oakland A's are going to play in starting in 2028. And when this news broke that they were looking at Salt Lake, they seemed kind of excited that maybe the A's would give up on Vegas altogether and just stay here and like be acquired by Gail Miller. Um, And so I asked why they don't want the A's in Vegas. And executive producer Sonia Swanson said, oh, you mean the Oakland A's, the worst team in the league who somehow managed to wrestle $380 million in public funding from Nevada? Them? (laughs) I'm like... That feels so right for us that like we <laughs> they would land in our lap like mm. a quick Twitter search too and like you hear the owner John Fisher of the Oakland A's being referred to as a grifter over and over and over again by Las Vegans Las Vegasites so yeah well welcome to the scam capital of the U S would this be like a win for Utah or would this be a win for Vegas <laughs> <laughs> hard to say hard to say but what we do know Allie is that. Local and state leaders are so freaking hot on bringing a Major League Baseball team to Utah one way or another. And one thing that I have been thinking about is like, how much does Utah actually like baseball, though? And there, you know, Carter Williams from KSL reported on this um, on the Oakland A's visiting Salt Lake City. And he's got a quote from Steve Starks, who is the CEO of the Larry H. Miller Company. And Steve Starks says, hopefully this shows that Utah is crazy about baseball. And I'm like wondering, what are the indicators that we're crazy about baseball? Like how many Dodgers hats people buy here? Or what is it? What is it? Right. We have a hundred year baseball legacy. I mean, like we've hosted a lot of different teams. It's almost like, are we crazy about baseball or have we been trying to make baseball happen in this state mm-hmm. for a hundred years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know about the Salt Lake Trappers, Emily? Yes. Formerly uh, owned by uh, Bill Murray, actor yeah. Bill Murray, right? Mm-hmm. So before the Smith's Ballpark in the Ballpark neighborhood, the old Smith's Ballpark, not the new Smith's Ballpark, was the Smith's Ballpark. It was called Dirk's Field. And in the 80s, it was home to a team 
called the Salt Lake Trappers, which was partly owned by Bill Murray. And if you go to Duffy's, a bar in Salt Lake, they still have kind of a shrine on the wall to the Trappers. And rumor is that Duffy's was Bill Murray's favorite bar when he would oh, be in Utah. Cute. But I think I think about the Trappers because when it was announced that Big League Utah wanted to bring a professional team here, a lot of people were like, well, what would they be called? What would they be called? And it feels like the front runner is the Cutthroats, which I actually think that's pretty good. is a pretty good one. But I wonder about something that like is reflective of our history, like the Trappers. Yeah. The pioneers may have. No. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. The thing that I feel like needs to be said and isn't being said about this endeavor to bring Major League Baseball to the quote unquote Rocky Mountain Power District, which is sort of this 100 acre lot on Salt Lake's west side near I 80 and North Temple, is gentrification. Like we're uh-huh. not really talking about, I feel like I'm not seeing that a lot. But, like, the truth is, like, when we build sports stadiums in traditionally low-income, high-minority population neighborhoods with a solid housing stock, it gentrifies the neighborhood. Like, when they built the Washington Nationals Park in Navy Yard, like, you go to Navy Yard now in D.C., and it's, like, upper-middle-class millennials have taken over that neighborhood. So we're talking about the west side of Salt Lake City, which is being so rapidly and and extremely gentrified, that the city just passed an anti-gentrification plan, I can't imagine a stadium gentrifying the entire neighborhood uh, jives with that. And yet we're seeing a lot of leaders get really excited about it. So this feels like a moment where the rubber's kind of meeting the road and we're not talking about it. Well, Allie, we're a long way out from an MLB team on the west side of Salt Lake City, so I'm sure this is something that we'll talk even more about on this show. Totally. That's enough for today. That's enough for today. (laughs) (laughs) The saga continues. Let's do some shout outs and get out of here. Let's do it. You want to go first? Sure. I would like to shout out, Allie. The Utah Department of Transportation. <laughs> Utah? They were on the official CityCast Salt Lake naughty list last year. I know. Utah, Utah cannot catch a break on this show with their expansion of highways. We are, you know, very open about our feelings towards that. But I want to shout out the UDOT staffers who wrote those funny signs on the highway. Um, oh, they are I saw, so good. Yeah. I saw an Axios Salt Lake City story this week reporting that the Federal Highway Administration is directing states to phase out those funny signs because mm. it could adversely affect respect for the sign, which made me laugh. Um, But apparently Utah has already started phasing them out. And I guess I just want to give a shout out to the creativity behind them. Some of their greatest hits include No Valentine, Your Seatbelt Will Hold You, and Drowsy, Crash on the Couch, Not the Road. So I don't know. (laughs) They they brought a lot of joy to my commute. And I want to shout out those UDOT staffers for their (laughs) way with words. Yeah, they're very cheeky. That, I feel like, must be the most fun job at the Utah Department of Transportation. You're basically like, it's akin to being the person who names nail polish colors. Like, you just, you really got lucky. Um, Okay, I love that. My shout shout out out? is sports related. Can you believe it? Mm. Shout out to Utah Utes women's basketball. They were ranked 16 
last week. Monday night, I watched them beat number two UCLA in the biggest ranked upset in program history. Wow. At Huntsman Center. And I just want to say... The women on that team are freaking spectacular. It is so much fun to watch them play. They move so much more than NBA players because they are smaller and they have to work harder to get across the court, which is just one of the reasons that it's more fun, I think, to watch them play than to go to a jazz game. It's also like one-tenth the price. My season right. tickets to watch Utah women's basketball every game were $25. They are the moment... So um, these games are so fun. I just encourage everyone to go to a Utah women's game. It's a dry game. You can bring your kids. It's a great time. If you're going with friends, I always recommend meeting at the Chili's by the Trader Joe's on 4th South. Have a drink. Jump on the red line. Your ticket is your mm -hmm. tracks pass. You're up there in like five minutes. Do it. You're talking my language. Executive producer Emily Means, always a joy to talk about the news with you. Have a great day. Have a great day, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. 